guide. Praise the Lord. Hey, grab your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some people coming around with Bibles. and uh, We don't just talk about the Bible around here. Go figure. We actually like get in it. And uh, so open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, we're in the final couple weeks of our Under Pressure series. And actually what you see on the screen really is a summary of what we've been talking about for the last months as we've been taking a look, starting in James chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brothers. Count it all joy, my sisters, when you face trials of various kinds. Total upside down thinking. And we've been taking a look at what that looks like and focusing in on what it looks like on the various kinds of trials that the Lord brings along in life. In these last weeks, we're focusing in on the responding to trials. Now that we see trials, how do we respond to those trials? And last Sunday, we learned from the disciples, Mark chapter 4, one of my very favorite passages of Scripture, on the boat across the Sea of Galilee, remember? Don't you care? Hmm. Well, today, we're learning from the Apostle Paul. Last week was about how, what we can learn and how not to respond. This week and next week are about how to respond to trials. We're going to take a look at the Apostle Paul today in really a short time. and This is about responding today, and I'm going to have a time of response later on. And... Uh, This is pretty amazing. This is pretty cool stuff. Because we're going to go and take a look at this guy and see how he handled the trials, how he viewed them. Now, you got to understand before we get to the text in 2 Corinthians that the church in Corinth had really a whole bunch of problems and issues going on. Uh, One of those was that there were these con artist teachers who were traveling the countries. And they'd go from city to city, and so maybe we could call them uh, gospel carnies, uh, false gospel carnies. And they're really going from city, they go to city, they set up shop, and they manipulate people. They, they, they give a false portrayal of what truth is. And these guys were marked not by magnifying Christ, they were using Christ. They were not marked by being people that helped each other, they were using things to help each other to help themselves. These guys really were about finding people to sucker them for themselves. So Paul has to deal with this because it's providing actually a lot of confusion to the church in Corinth. And you've got to say, well, the goofballs, what was their issue? Well, one of the things we forget is they didn't have a New Testament. It was being lived out and written. We are so blessed, friends, so blessed. And they didn't have this. So Paul is addressing the problem, which part of it included them calling Paul a false apostle. And they were the superior apostles. So Paul has to clear some stuff up because they're watering down, messing up what the gospel's all about, as well as the teaching that's taking place. So he really goes about it. You read chapters 11 and 12 on your own this week. We're only going to pick a couple spots in it because you read of Paul, this lawyer, highly educated man, addresses it in quite an unlike Paul way. 
He's like, you know what? Hey, we're kids out on the playground apparently right now, so I'm going to deal with this like kids out on the playground and talk about who's better. And you'll see what I'm talking about here in a minute. It's so not like him. But here's my question. What marked Paul? What marked him? This is what marked these others, but what marked him? Was he about self-comfort? Was he about self-prosperity? Let's take a look. Chapter 11, let's start in verse 23. Are they, these carny gospel guys, are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. <laughs> I'm talking like a madman. You've got to read the whole thing. He's, just, he's addressing them in this way. Listen, you want to talk in a silly kind of way? I'll talk in a silly kind of way for a while for the purpose of not bringing light to me, for the purpose of addressing the problem so the people in Corinth understand what's going on. Are they servants of Christ? Oh, no, let's play this game. I'm a better one with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, countless beatings, and often near death. Look at verse 24 and on. This is Paul's life story. Five times I received at the hand of the Jews, his, his own people, the 40 lashes lest one. Five times. How many times? Verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea. Oh, that's like my worst fear in life. 26, on frequent journeys and danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. <laughs> Dude, I don't want your job. Wow. And I don't have time to go into it, but the next verse, I think in essence, really is kind of saying, oh, those are really bad, but this is, this is like the icing on the cake of it all. Those are burdens, but this is a real big mega burden. Look at verse 28. And apart from other things, this is kind of the separating thing, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Listen, this guy is under pressure. It's just five times 39 lashes, three times beaten with rods, one time stoned, three times shipwrecked, danger rivers, danger robbers, dangers from his own people, danger Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false teachers, toil, hardship, sleepless nights, hunger and thirst and hypothermia, the daily pressure of all the churches. Listen, I'm not going to this place with this sermon today. I'm not going to the point of saying, look at Paul dealt with all that, suck it up. That's not the point. And we're going to see that here in just a little bit. Why? This was Paul's roadmap from God. The point is not who has the bigger list. The point is, look at how he deals with the map of life that the Lord has laid for him. Let's look at that today. Oh, and by the way, it doesn't stop here. Chapter 12, verse 1. I must go on boasting. Again, he's playing this game. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. In other words, these guys back in that day, they're like, I've got revelations from God. 
and I am awesome. But we've learned. Okay, small groups. God is awesome, all right? But these guys are like, I'm awesome. I've received revelations from God. Uh, so uh, Paul says, I will now go on to visions and revelations to the Lord. Listen, you want to play the game? And then he goes into this thing talking about the third heaven. No, I'm not going there. A whole different time. Um, uh, but here's the point of it. He's going, listen, I've had revelations from the Lord. And look at what then he does. Verse 7. So to keep me from being too elated by the surpassing greatness of the revelations. In other words, he's saying this. Can you imagine getting revelations from God? I mean, not like light bulbs. Like, oh, so now I understand how to put the swing set together. That's not what we're talking about. After it's all upside down. These are revelations from God. And the Apostle Paul. Look at the New Testament. The Apostle Paul was like the man. He was more than any other to put together the New Testament by the revelation of God to him. Listen, you cannot tell me that at some point in time, Paul as well, I mean, he talks about it, how just the reality of his own life and struggles in life. You cannot tell me that at some point in time, you're not going to be start getting to that place where you're going, you know what? God could have revealed all these things to you and to you and to you and to you. He could have revealed it to anybody, but guess what? He, he revealed it to me. Man, I must be special out of all people. God picked out me. Got a chance. Listen, pride and ministry can come very easily. Very easily. But look, so to keep that from happening, verse 7, the latter half, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. We're not going to get into what is that. We don't really know for sure. There's some thoughts on it, whatever. We do know this. God gave him a thorn in the flesh, something that was just, whether it was physical or whether it was everywhere he went, there was these people who were, if you will, demons were working through them just to harass him. I mean, there's various views on this. That's not the point today. The point of it is, is everywhere this guy was going, it was hard. It was just, it was heavy. Why? This is why. To keep me from being too elated. To keep me from being proud. Look at verse 8. By the way, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. Hey, listen, nothing's wrong with going, God, please, could you take this away from me? Nothing's wrong with doing that. But here's the thing. It's interesting. He doesn't say 103,000 times. It is very intriguing to me that he says three times. Three times I went to the Lord. And again, I'm not saying don't pray every day for God to, to do something. That's okay. But the point is, is at some point it got resolved in his mind. And we're going to see that. Three times I pleaded with the Lord that it should leave me. Oh, God, please. I'm not in loving this at all. Verse 9. But he said to me, God said to him, listen, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul, remember, this is about my grace. For my power. Oh, by the way, Paul, this is about my power, not yours. 
for my power is made perfect in your weaknesses. Therefore, Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. (laughs) What kept him going? That's the thing for me. What was it that kept him going? After the first lashing. By the way, we're not going naughty, 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 now go to bed. We're talking lashing. After the first lashing. Okay, maybe you keep on going because it's so worth the benefit of you for you personally. But what about after the second one? I'm out. Why not after the third? And then the fourth. And then the fifth. And he's still going. Are you kidding me? And the answer to that is no. After five lashings, beatings, after a beating, after the first shipwreck, after the first day and night at sea. Oh, I'm telling you, right there, I'm out. Oh, you just don't know. I I love you guys in the Navy, but man, that just scares me, living life out of me. Out there in the middle, and I'm getting off track. After the first robbing, after the first sleepless night. I mean, how many sleepless nights do you go until you go, I'm out? What kept him going? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. Take a look at this. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content. Oh, those three words are powerful. I am content. You see, this is all within the context of what we're just talking about. By the way, what's he content with? You see, when we think of content, we think of, I've got to learn to be content with an apartment rather than having a house. I've got to learn to be content with having a Yugo rather than a Lexus. I've got to be content with the salary that I make right now versus a salary what someone else makes. Don't we go to the things first. Look what he's he's not talking about any of that. Look what he talks about. For I am content with weaknesses. I am content with insults. I am content with hardships. I am content with persecutions. I am content with calamities. (laughs) Content. It's resolved in his mind, and he's okay with it. It's not saying he likes it. We don't see anywhere where Paul going, I cannot wait to go to the next city and just beat me. In fact, here, I'll just stand over in a tree and just have at me right now because that's not what he's talking about. None of this does he enjoy. None of this does this give him a thrill about. None of it is he loving it. It's not his first choice. He doesn't wish any of this on anybody else. This is so great. I wish all of you could get beat like this. None of that is taking place. But he's resolved with it. He's satisfied with it. He's content with it. His judgments are satisfied. The, how could you let this happen, God? The, uh, you creep, you can't do that. No, 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 the judgments, I'm content with it. I'm not loving it, but I'm content with it. The thinking about the whole thing. No, no, man, I'm wrestling with it. I'm struggling. I don't like it. Yet, why? And yet, at the same time, when it comes right down to it, I'm satisfied with it. When it comes right down to it, my affections are satisfied. 
When it comes right down to it, my actions reveal the reality of my contentment. I'm not just showing contentment on the outside and on the inside. I'm a burning flame of fire. What blows me away even more about this is this isn't just speaking about being content as you look back. You see, you could look back and go, oh, now I get it. I can be satisfied now with it. All through it, I was raising living hell during it. But now I can be satisfied with it. No, 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 no. Turn to Acts chapter 9. Turn to Acts chapter 9. This is amazing. Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, this is the passage where the Christ-hater Saul meets the one he hates, Christ. Christ shows up in a really cool way. And Paul realizes he was wrong. And Paul comes to Christ. And then in verses uh, 15 and 16, uh, the Lord is speaking to Ananias. Ananias is a follower of Christ. Uh, Chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. But the Lord said to him, to Ananias, Go, for Paul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and to the kings and to the children of Israel. Look at verse 16. For This is God saying it. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. By the way, I want to let you know what Paul went through, that was a gifting as an, apost- as, as an apostle of Christ that was part of the package for him, that big boatload of stuff. We are not saying today, leave and get a bit, big boatload of all that Paul went through. No, that was Paul's bucketful from the Lord as an apostle. And here's the thing. He knew about it. He came to know that part of his job was going to be getting all that list that we saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And what blows me away is he still went. Let's add to that one more passage, Acts chapter 20. This one just brings it really right home. Acts chapter 20. Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders. He's reminding them of some prior events that's taking place, and he's telling them what's going to come ahead. Look look at this. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. Paul's saying to them, And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Well, that sounds good. I don't quite know what's going on. But listen, look at this, verse 23. Except, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. That's the stuff that's coming. He is understanding as he's moving along that God's got a whole bucket load of junk trials coming. And he still goes. Why? Why does he still go? You see, we live in a culture where we're out of that. Because Jesus is all about my comfort. Jesus is all about resolving any and all of my problems and making my life smooth. He's the trophy on my shelf. He's the one I go to when life's hard, and that's it. What? That is so not the reality of life. 
Look at how he responds, verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. Wow, I struggle with that. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received. That's what he was about. Satisfied. Content. It's resolve. For the sake of Christ. For the sake of Christ then, I am content. question is that you and me I'm talking about if you will a preemptive contentment I'm talking about not just what you've been going through right now that includes that but I'm not even talking about what's even happened in the past that that includes that I'm even talking about what God has yet for you on the table that you and I don't even know about are you content with the fact that God may have some really hard stuff for you ahead. Can you be satisfied? For the sake of Christ? Can I? I gotta tell you, preaching through series gets very interesting because you come to times to where you're like, can I go back and redo some stuff? in light of what I'm learning now? Preemptive contentment. Am I content with what the Lord has yet for me? I'll say this. I think now I'm understanding that's why Noah could be a living lumberjack for the Lord for like a hundred bazillion years. Remember studying there? I think now that's why Joseph or Abraham could take his son on a camping trip to the altar because he was satisfied in the Lord. I think now that's why Joseph sold into slavery by his brothers. And then later on talks with them. He says, guys, you tried to harm me, but God meant it for good. It's okay. I'm satisfied. I'm content. Habakkuk, when Brian Payne was here, knowing that the impending calamity upon Israel was coming, and yet Habakkuk says, and listen to the reality, I hear and my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound, rottenness enter my bones and my legs tremble beneath me. In other words, he's saying, I'm not looking forward to this. He knows what's coming and he's not looking forward to this at all. This isn't this fruity tootie walking on the tulips kind of a... (laughs) Boy, that sounded like Cinderella, didn't it? Instead, listen to what he says, though I have no food and though everything is taken away, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. That's contentment. That's satisfied. I think now I'm understanding more and more why Job, after losing his wealth and his children, can fall before the Lord and go, you you give and you take away, bless your name. You are awesome. Why? Satisfied. Content. And that's why Paul could go through the lashings and the beatings and the shipwrecks and the insults and the mockery 
and the pain and the rejection. Because he was already content with it. Are you content with what the Lord has ahead? Friends, I think this is why all of a sudden when trials hit, we are so taken back by them. Where'd that come from? Well, I understand. I understand they can be shockers. But I'm talking about how we deal with them. They come along and it's like, where'd that come from? That isn't right. That isn't fair. I don't like that. No, you see, Paul had resolved it. Listen, they're coming. The difference is, is it's kind of like, oh, wow, I wasn't quite expecting that. But that's what God has called me to do. As Nick had termed it earlier to me, to show the superiority of the life of Christ, living for Christ before a world that is lost and hurting. It's about the superiority of Christ. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a few minutes and we're just going to be silent. And I want for you just to, before the Lord, take some time for just a couple minutes. And I want for you just to review, where are you at? I, I would like to call you and I to consider driving a stake in the ground. Lord, I've got to make changes in my thinking about life. And I want to drive a stake in the ground with you, Lord, here. That I'm going to work after. Being content with what you have down in that road for me. Driving the stake. God, I don't know what it is. But I'm going to work at being satisfied in you alone. Have I driven this stake in the ground of being content with whatever the Lord has? Let's just take minutes here and pray and just write down some thoughts, whatever.
talked earlier about not just doing church, but about being the church. We talked earlier about this aspect of uh, caring for one another, for the souls of one another. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make you even more uncomfortable. I think it's been two years. I don't think I've ever done this here. But we're going to now, and I'm just going to ask you this. Two, three of you, just turn, pray for just a couple minutes. Not by yourself. No one by themselves. We're not a church of individual islands. So if there's someone around you, just, just turn. Hey, listen. You know, I go to churches and sometimes I hate those. Let's grow up. This is before the Lord. And let's just get a couple and one or two of you pray just for a couple minutes. Just pray for each other that the Lord would help us to be a people and a place that would really learn what being satisfied in him really is all about. Can we do that? Good. Let's do that. Okay? Just for a couple minutes and then we'll, Nick will lead us in a song.
forming us into the image of Christ. And God, as we live that life that's uh, impacted by you, may we, as Doug has said, show the superiority of the life lived in God. Not the life that's lived without hope, without a future. Thank you that the, for the life that we can live in Christ because of what he has done at the cross.